Hi, my name is Nikki, and welcome to Quick Picks, a reader's advisory podcast for all kinds of media available at the library. If you want suggestions on what to try next, we're here to help. At this time of year, we're either preparing for family gatherings, recovering from family gatherings, lamenting missing family, or celebrating independence from families. But for most of us, it has something to do with families. So here's an episode about books and audiobooks where family is the topic, whether that's good or not. Hi, Tana. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Nikki. It's fun to be back again. Yes, we're back to the Nikki and Tana show, which is always fun. For anybody who's new to the podcast, uh, can you give us a little bit of an introduction to you? Sure. My name is Tana. I work in tech services, actually, at the Round Lake Library, but I really like to read and talk about books. So Nikki and I uh, visit often about what we've read, what we should read, or what we want to read together and discuss later. So I'm looking forward to another fun podcast. Yes. Books sometimes require therapy. So this is this is kind of like book therapy to me. Okay. Yes, so um, this episode, we're going to talk about families. For better or for worse, we're stuck with them. And sometimes we're born into them and sometimes we choose them, but they can be challenging and wonderful. So there are so many stories that are wrapped around family. I have three that are, I'm going to say on the more thrilling side, because I like books that are a little edgy. And the first one is The Lost Man by Jane Harper. This one is, it's not as violent, I think, as most thrillers are. It's kind of a gritty story about a family living in the Australian outback. Conditions there are deadly. You have a family with three brothers and the middle brother, Cameron, is kind of the responsible one, the one everybody looks up to in the family. And he suddenly dies out in the elements, exposure at this mysterious grave that has all this family lore wrapped around it. Everybody's saying that it's an accident, but the family knows better because he is way too smart to do that, to be out there with no provisions in the heat. And so it's basically about Nathan, the older brother, who has some demons he's dealing with himself and trying to peel back the layers of this weird family who has lived in isolation on this cattle ranch forever and the complicated relationships they have with their abusive father who is now gone and the mother who is kind of, she's reserved and she's closed off from the family. And you have the dead brother's wife who Nathan has had, he has been pining for for years. There's so many complications in this story. And, and what it was all about to me was not just family secrets, but family secrets from each other. And I loved that. I loved the unraveling and the getting to know each other as you get them, getting to know them in the book. Yes, definitely. I just came away from this one, though, thinking there's no way I could live in the Australian outback. <laughs> yes. There's dust everywhere. There's no close neighbors. You're relying on, on yourself 
and your knowledge of the outback and and all these things come into play during this story when you know they go out searching for someone and they have to make sure that they have the right provisions and and those types of things. I thought this was very very well done. I will say that if there's a Jane Harper book, I'm listening to it because the Australian narrators are fantastic and that to me just lends that other layer of interest to the book. Yes. Agreed. And it, she really did a great job of making you feel the isolation and loneliness that they were experiencing out there on this farm all by themselves. And it was just fascinating. It made me kind of want to go out in the world and experience humanity <laughs> and appreciate being connected. Yes, definitely. And I just thought too, like how, how far out they had to think about doing things like, okay, we're going to need groceries or we're going to need provisions. We can do this once every three months. Just that thinking of, okay, so how are we going to do this? What's, what could we need? What, what information can we get from the townspeople type of a thing? All those just kind of made me keep going, what is going to happen next? Right. What's going to happen now? The, the refrigerator so, well repairman, done. the freezer guy, who was only in a rotation to come out and fix Nathan's freezer every so many months. So if he missed this visit, he wasn't going to get his freezer fixed for another couple of months and he was still going to be charged for it. So it was just amazing to me what you take for granted. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very good book. Highly recommend that one. And my second one is Tall Grass by Sandra Dallas. This was my first Sandra Dallas book. And I know you're an experienced Sandra Dallas reader, but I picked it up because of the Japanese internment camp element to it. And I'd I'd qualify it as like a mix of historical fiction and mystery because it has that World War II era society. So it's, it's about Rennie living on a farm with her parents. She's 13. They're in farmland in Colorado. And the government comes in and builds this internment camp and then fills it with all of these Japanese American citizens during World War II. And so it's about how the town reacts to them and how they react to the internment camp and the Japanese people who are suddenly there. It's a lot of small town minded people who don't like change and they don't like anyone who's not like them. And her family, Rennie's family is kind of a stalwart in this town. They're very honorable and wonderful people and they do a lot and they teach her the wisdom to get through her life and how she sees the world a little bit differently than everybody else because of them. And I just loved this book. Absolutely loved it. Very well done. I think one of the parts that was interesting for me was when the townspeople would see these Japanese people coming into town and their reactions and most of them spoke English. They didn't know Japanese. They were regular old people from California. They just looked different and how the town reacted to them and and also how the town reacted to others that maybe um, were down on their luck or had made some different choices. It was definitely a small town book for me as far as these are the prejudices that you usually tend to see in a book about a small town. <laughs> they played out in this one too. Yeah. Um, their their um, strong sense of community in this one and how 
for the most part, they did try to work together with the town and try to show this is what this is what we need. This is how we can, you know, get our beats in the fields or out of the fields or whatever and work together. I like Sandra Dallas books. Um, they all have some of the small town element to them. Um, unexpected people working together for a common goal. Those types of storylines, I think, are her forte. While this one had some grittiness to it, for the most part, her books are pretty, um, what I would call a nice read. There's nothing really awful happening in them. As far as language and, and things like that, they're they're pretty good. So you could look for the Persian Pickle Club, which was a fun one, or the Patchwork Bride, or Prayers for Sale. If you jumped on the Sandra Dallas bandwagon, those are some good ones that I think really do speak to the family part of her stories. I have a question for you about this book, Tall Grass. It reminded me so much of a different type of retelling of To Kill a Mockingbird. Did you have any of that familiarity with you when you were reading it? I didn't, but when I was reading reviews... Um, to get ready for today, I noticed that a couple people had said that. So I guess, yes, a strong father figure who kind of like shepherds the town to, you know, a, a, a just way of thinking about these people did definitely fit. Mm -hmm. Rennie kind of fits into that, uh, role of the daughter who kind of likes to stir up trouble, but yet (laughs) is a good heart tries to keep things, you know, fair to her friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could see that. I can see that a little bit. Yeah. Just the, the justice versus injustice, people being falsely accused of things, um, this looming threat in the community who's doing this horrible thing to the, to the girls there. And it just felt a lot like it in a different way, but it, it was reminiscent to me. Yeah. That it does make sense. Yeah. All right. My last one is one of my new favorite authors, S.A. Cosby. S is for Sean. So this book, Razorblade Tears, I had it on hold and I was, I don't know what captivated me about it, but I put it on hold long ago and I'd been waiting and waiting for it. And then you came to me and said, you have to read this. <laughs> and I was like, okay, and please I'm hurry. still waiting. <laughs> yes, please hurry. <laughs> And when I read it, I was like, I know what she meant now. This book is one of those books that'll just like knock you off your feet because you're not expecting it. It's the story of Ike and Buddy Lee, who are ex-cons, and they're trying to get back their respect and their place in society. Buddy Lee is more of um, a trailer living drunk. (laughs) He's... This is an odd couple. I should say that right from the start. Ike has the family and he has the business and he's the respectable citizen. And Buddy Lee is kind of, um, I don't know the polite way of saying he's still kind trash. of trouble. Say? Yeah. yeah. Buddy Lee he's still, still has kind issues. of trouble. He's still, you know, is drinking in the trailer and just kind of skating by day to day. He doesn't really have a job that you could see. Yeah, where Ike is definitely tried to make himself into a family man, a solid person in the community, um, respectable. He hires ex-cons because he knows what it's like. I mean, he's, it feels like he's trying to do all the right things. 
Yeah. This was a story about amends, I thought. And Ike had already made amends, I thought, with society. And he was trying to make amends with his son. So Ike and Buddy Lee come together because both of their sons got married and both of their sons were murdered. And so these two fathers couldn't be more different. And they're coming together to try to figure out who killed their sons. And also to make amends because they weren't they weren't so great to their sons when they were alive because of this homophobia that they had. And so now they're trying to yes. make amends. <laughs> and it's yes. an incredibly violent book. It is gritty. It's a modern noir. It's the dialogue is so clever. And the language in it is really well done. I loved this book because I loved these characters. Buddy Lee is hilarious and just his like, I don't care kind of attitude. And Ike is so business, you know, he's so intense all the time. (laughs) And you have so much room for education too, because Ike is African-American and Buddy Lee is white. Ike is kind of trying to explain to Buddy Lee in a way that he understands how hard it is to be a Black man in the South today. And also, you have all these other people who are on the LGBTQIA spectrum, and they're interacting with these two men and teaching them about what it's like. And then you're learning about what it's like for these ex-cons to reintegrate into society. And it just felt like such an educational book. There were, so there were a lot of there were a lot of pieces to this for yes. sure. There was also then the motorcycle gang. Yeah. And their kind of code that they had with each other was another kind of another family type of an element. Like these mm-hmm. people put the group of the motorcycle gang basically above even their own personal safety and and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Some of the dialogue for me between Buddy Lee and Ike as they were driving around in their piece of junk pickup truck, I was laughing out loud. Mm -hmm. There was really nothing funny about this story as far as the subject matter and the different things that they were trying to tackle, but oh my gosh, the conversation sometimes mm-hmm. just seriously cracked me up. And I think that speaks to this author and how he was trying to hit something home, but also wanting to give you a little break too. So like, yeah. okay, let's, let's lighten this up for just two sentences even. And that was usually enough of a break to be like, oh, okay. Let's keep going. Yeah. I think um, the that's role what Buddy Lee of was. Maya, Ike's wife, and mm-hmm. kind of a Maya just trying to be, you know, help her husband understand that her son was a gay man and he was loved and those kinds of things. And there's a child in this mix too, mm-hmm. which was also something that was harder, I think, for Ike and Buddy Lee to wrap their brains around too. Like, yeah wait a minute, how is this all, how is this all coming together? There's definitely a lot to unpack in this book. I have recommended it to so many people Mm -hmm. and I, I will give the um, warning, I guess you could say of there's some brutal language in here. There's some brutal things that happen, but if you can get past that, the surprise family in here, I think, is what is what I wrote down. <laughs> like these people actually turned into a family and they certainly, when the book started, did not feel like that's the path that they were going to go on. Yeah. And I really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the redemption aspect of it. Yes. 
acceptance of different lifestyles. Mm-hmm. How, you know, it was taking them a while. They had came to understand, I think, their son's lives a little better as they found out more about who their friends were and who they did things with and who they and helped. what they were trying to do. Right. Yes. So yeah, very good story. Yeah. Very well done. Um, his other book is Blacktop Wasteland. Also very well done. I love that one too. That one has so many quotes in it that I just wrote down because I said, I have to remember this forever because there was so much in it that was so worthwhile. So I love Mr. Cosby. I will read his books, whatever he writes, he can write anything and I will pick it up and devour it at this point. Exactly. Uh, Black Tub Wasteland actually had a pretty strong family element to it too. Yep. Now that I'm thinking about it with exactly bug and his family and what they were trying to do. So yeah, Uh, I would just look for this author, quite honestly, listeners and uh, (laughs) dive in. They're both fantastic books. Yeah. And Nikki and I are eagerly awaiting his next His next book for sure. Yeah. Okay. I know you Uh, have a bunch of books. So I also had one by Jane Harper called The Survivors. This one is Kiernan um, takes place in Australia again. He goes home to help his parents because the dad has um, dementia and they are needing to leave where they grew up. Um, This is kind of his first venture back to his home area. He left many years ago because of a reckless mistake and there was a death involved in that. I'll say it that way. Um, So he comes back, he's trying to help his parents and lo and behold, there is a murder. It's similar in some ways to the original thing that happened. So the townspeople now are starting to rehash what happened years ago. There's a lot of family dynamics in this one. Uh, it's kind of a race to find out what truly happened. A lot of buried secrets are coming out. So again, Australia, great audiobook. Narrator does a fantastic job. Um, and that one is called Survivors. And I went with a couple, a little bit lighter, maybe <laughs> reads. One is The Midnight at the Blackbird Cafe. Um, by Hannah Weber, I believe is the author. This is a, just a nice read. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little magic. There's a little romance. There's a little small town atmosphere. Um, Anna Kate goes home because her grandmother has passed away and she's left the midnight cafe, midnight at the Blackbird Cafe, cafe to Anna. So she goes back thinking she's just going to sell it, wrap up the estate and leave and things don't go quite as planned. And she ends up um, finding herself drawn into the small town, delving into some family history. And just like I said, nice read, a little magic in there. So if you're looking for something a little different, this would be a good choice for you. Yeah. So much Southern charm. Yes. And, and nothing, I don't remember anything too graphic or anything mm-hmm. like that in there. Definitely more like a romance. Type yeah. Book. Yeah. I read the mountains sing. This one was different for me because it's set in Vietnam and mm-hmm. I really had not read much with a 
um, setting there. It was in the 1930s and then in the 1970s that this book took place. It is a family saga. It is told from the viewpoint of the grandmother and her granddaughter. So you get these two different generations and you find out that the grandmother was forced to flee um, from her family home with her six children. As the story goes on, it kind of goes back and forth in time. So you find out what happened to her kids along the way and the sacrifices that she had to make to keep everyone safe during this time. And then the other part is the the little girl and her parents and her uncles are heading to the Ho Chi Minh Trail to fight. So her and her grandmother then must hold down the house type of a thing. And they go on this walk, taking the townspeople with them to safety. War, Vietnam War, again, I had not read much about that. So that was an interesting twist for me. To me, what stuck out besides the family saga, which I love, <laughs> love getting all the generations and all the stories of what has happened. Uh-huh. Um, the parents, the parents love in this one and, and what these, what this mother did for her children. It was just a fantastic book. I can't tell the author because I cannot pronounce her name, Oh, <laughs> but if you are a cover person like me, it's orange and it has flowers on it. That's the mountain sing. I think, it, I think it was kind of under the radar for a lot of people. So I don't mm-hmm. know that many people saw it. I do know that it's on Hoopla. So if you're a Hoopla fan, um, I believe you can get the audiobook and the book both on there. Just a great family saga type of a story. We also have the Dutch house. And I mm-hmm. think you read that one too, Nikki. I sure did. One thing fun about this audiobook, which I'm realizing I think I listened to all of these books. Yeah, me <laughs> too. Time, a little different for me. Um, the Dutch House is actually narrated by Tom Hanks. Anne Patchett and Tom Hanks apparently are friends. And so he read this audio he read the audiobook for her. I think he won um, an award wanted- for it too. If not, he, he was nominated, but I think he might have won the Audi. He did a he did a great job. Yeah. As someone who doesn't, you know, I don't think of as really a narrator type of a thing. I just want to um read this little part from the book. It says, um, at the end of the Second World War, Cyril Conry combines luck and a single canny investment to build an immense real estate empire, propelling his family from poverty to enormous wealth. His first order of business is to buy the Dutch house, a lavish estate in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Meant as a surprise for his wife, this house sets in motion the undoing of everyone he loves. I just think that is perfect. Yeah. Here this man is thinking, okay, I've I've pulled my family out. I am finally like able to provide for them. I've bought this beautiful house. And then yeah. chaos. chaos happens. They had like five so, good minutes in the house. <laughs> exactly. Everything bad. So the story is told um, by Danny and his sister Maeve. And I felt when reading this one that the house was as much of a character in this book as any of the people that were in this book. 
easily. There is a stepmother who is not super kind and she's awful. Be prepared to hate her. (laughs) She does. She does some things. Um, So here are these two kids that think, okay, we're, we're doing well. We have this good. They are exiled by their stepmother. I'm not giving anything away. It says that right on the cover there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're excelled by their stepmother. So they're basically sent from a very comfortable home family life to nothing, back to having nothing really and having to start kind of over and build themselves back up. Yeah. They find out about yeah. themselves and they also find out about their dad and who he was and what he did. And I thought those parts were really interesting too, when they kind of did a deep dive back into, you know, remembering some things about their dad and what he had done and, mm-hmm. and how he tried to just make things better yeah. for their family. It was a, a good rags to riches to rags story. And yes. the rags to riches was the dad. And then the riches to rags was unfortunately the kids and then trying to come out of that. Yes. Yes, how they tried to figure out where to go next with their lives and what what to do. And Patchett has others that are family drama type ones. Commonwealth is another good one that's told from multiple perspectives. Something happens at a family christening that has repercussions over the next two generations. So if you're looking for another kind of long drawn out family type of affair, Ann Patchett has this one, the Dutch house. And then she also has one called Commonwealth. Yeah. She's so good at character development. Like when I finished the Dutch house, I set it down and I mourned the loss of Danny and Maeve because I was like, I'll never get to see their life again. I was done. They were they were out of my life and I would never know them again. And I mourned because I felt so connected to these two fictitious characters. Yes. <laughs> and then I felt silly. So I go through this whole I range agree. of emotions. <laughs> well, and I just remember that I was always excited to get back to this book. Yeah. Like, what are they going to do next? Where, you know, where are we at? And I think that's the sign of a really great book too. Oh, yes. Yeah. And what a great connection the brother and sister had. Danny and Maeve, like, there is not much else in this world. They were soulmates, if ever there were two. It was really amazing. Their loyalty, their connection, their just the way that they got along and understood each other was really precious. Yes. Definitely. And, and how, and where did they get that? Like they weren't, they weren't really raised in that kind of an atmosphere. Although I guess you could say that they had to stand by them, you know, stand together because it was them against the world type of a scenario, but yeah, yeah, they were, they were great characters. They were definitely flawed. We -hmm. saw their flaws. We saw, you know, how they tried to make amends in their lives. Yeah. Great. Great books, great family stories. Yeah. Yeah. And different kinds too. I like that, you know, you've got multi-generational stories and you've got brother and sister stories and you have mother and and child stories. And and there's just so many to choose from out there. It was really difficult to pick some books for this podcast, but these are our standouts that we liked. 
And and I have a list so we can do this topic again if we need to. <laughs> yes, you you're the saga woman. I'll read a story about like two brothers and sisters and I'll be done and you're the one who wants all the way back. <laughs> so, you are my, yes. my go-to. I have like kind of three stuff. other ones in the top of my mind right now that I'm like, okay, we could talk about this one and this one. <laughs> No, I like those. I like those multi-generational stories where you really get to find out how the family works, how they work together. I mean, I guess you could, you could really see that with all the books that we picked this time. Yes. It was families figuring out, okay, we have to figure out how we can work together here. We Mm -hmm. need to, you know, move something forward or help someone or, you know, solve this mystery or whatever it was, but definitely it was all about how they got along. Mm-hmm. History. History meant everything for all of these stories, I think. I agree. Well, this is a great topic for the holiday season, whether you're celebrating with your family or sitting at home with your arms crossed going, thank God that's over. <laughs> so family. <laughs> for better or for worse. And these are some books. Hopefully you'll be inspired to pick up and experience the good and the bad. Thank you, Tana, again, for a wonderful contribution of stories to share. Always welcome. My pleasure. This is the most fun I have. (laughs) The best part of our jobs. (laughs) Exactly. For sure. The best part. Yeah. All right. We're, we will be looking forward to our next adventure. Yes. And we will see you back soon. I am sure. Thank you, Tana. Definitely. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And now here's Nick with a suggestion from libraries. Creative Bug offers online video art and craft workshops and techniques. Learn how to paint, knit, crochet, sew, screen print, and more. Patrons have an all-access, no-boundaries pass to explore thousands of classes. People of all skill levels can work alongside instructors to learn craft techniques. Creative Bug is simple and intuitive, with features like chapter divisions, note-taking tools, 20-second rewind, and more. Users can save favorite classes and receive personalized recommendations. Videos are produced by renowned artists and creative experts. Instructors bring a lifetime of practice, passion, and proven teaching methods. By signing up for Creative Bug, you'll enjoy unlimited access to thousands of online art and craft classes. Watch our classes anytime, anywhere. Since classes never expire, you can start and stop projects at your own pace. And that brings this episode of Quick Picks to a close. We hope you join us next time for more suggestions in different genres and maybe different media. My name is Nikki, and Quick Picks is coming to you from the Round Lake Area Public Library in Round Lake, Illinois. The end.